Bullock had a problem. The Jewish nation had spent almost 40 years in the Midbar, but everyone knew what the result was going to be. They were going to take over the land of Israel. Bullock was a king of Moab, and he understood exactly what was to be. Sichon and Mori were conquered, and he knew that he was next, and he realized there was no hope. He sent messages to Bilaam. Bilaam was a prophet, and Bilaam had the capacity to curse, and Bullock sent messages to Bilaam, please, I want you to curse the Jews. And Bilaam tells the messages, I can't do anything without Hashem's permission, let me see what Hashem says. And that evening Hashem came to him, because Hashem would not speak to him during the day, but only at night. And that evening Hashem said, who are these people? And Bilaam said, Bullock, the king of Moab, sent them to ask me to curse the Jewish people, should I do it? Hashem says, no, don't do it. And Bilaam says to these messengers, go home, I can't do it. And Bullock sends more important messages with more offers of bounty, of riches, please curse the Jews. Again, Bilaam says to these new group of messages, messengers, again, I can't do anything without Hashem's permission. That evening again, Hashem visited Bilaam and Hashem said, what do you want? Bilaam said, I want to curse these people, may I go? And Hashem said, do not curse them, go with them. If you're going to make money, go with them, but do not curse them. Hashem was furious with Bilaam for doing this. And very shortly thereafter, the events start unfolding. Bilaam is riding his donkey, and a malach comes and appears to the donkey. Bilaam didn't see the malach, but the donkey did. And the donkey veered off the road, went into the into the field. Bilaam began hitting the donkey. What are you doing? Get back on the field. And so the donkey goes back to the road. This malach comes a little bit later. And when the donkey is going between a wall, and the malach stays on one side, so the donkey has to go off to the side. And the donkey crushes Bilaam's leg against the wall. Again, Bilaam hits him again and again. What are you doing? What are you doing? And finally, the malach stops right in front of the donkey. And the donkey, in utter fear, stops, sits down, and won't budge. Bilaam takes a stick and beats it and beats it and beats it. But Yiftach Hashem is Pia Oson. Hashem opened the mouth of the Oson, of the mule, of the donkey, and the donkey began speaking. Bilaam, why are you hitting me? Why are you, why am I hitting you? If I had a sword, I'd stab you. But, sir, I, have I ever done this before? You, I've been your donkey all, all these years. Never once have I done this. Why would you? If I had a sword, I'd kill you. You're mocking me. You're making fun of me. At that point, Hashem opens up Bilaam's eyes, and Bilaam sees there's a malach. And this is the basic story of the Parsha, and it's very eye-opening, but if we begin studying it on a deeper level, I believe there's a tremendous amount to learn from this. Let's begin with the following observation. Why is it that Bilaam was a Novi? A Novi is a very, very spiritual person, a great person, and the Rambam explains what Navua is. Navua is a transcendence of physicality. If a person becomes so ruchni, so spiritual, he works for decades and decades until his body no longer is able to contain him. At that point, if he merits, Hashem may speak to him directly, he may have a nevuah. In the times of Nevi'im, there were many, many Nevi'im who saw one time Hashem appeared to them. Many, many Nevi'im who never had any nevuah. But this Bilam had regular nevuah. On a regular basis, he had prophecy on a regular basis, Hashem spoke to him. And Rashi is bothered by why. Why does Bilaam have prophecy? And Rashi explains it had nothing to do with him, quite the opposite. And it had to do with the fact that there would be a claim. The Ummah Sa'olam, the nations of the world would say, listen, 
Hashem, of course the Jewish people were righteous. You sent them prophets, you sent them Nevi'im. Had we had prophets, we also would have been righteous. We would have been very different. Hashem says, let's see if that's true. Hashem sends them Bilam, and instead of Bilam leading them to greatness, quite the opposite, he led them to a catastrophe. He tried first to curse the Jewish people, <clears throat> he tried and he tried, he built seven Mizbechos, seven different altars, each one failed, and finally he realized he couldn't curse them. But he did succeed in a very, very devious manner. He said to Balak, listen to me, curse them I cannot, Hashem won't allow me to, but I can give you a secret. Their God hates illicit relations. What you should do is make sure that you seduce them, have the Moab women seduce them, and then possibly their God will be angry with them. And in fact, that's what happened to Benos Moab. They were seduced the Jewish men, and it brought about a tremendous catastrophe in the Jewish people, effectively a civil war. Zimri ben Sola was a Rosh Sevet. He was one of the heads of a tribe, took a Moabite woman publicly. Pinchas had to stand up and kill him. 24,000 Jewish men died, and it was a horrible, horrible magefa. So while Bilam did not succeed in <coughs> cursing the Jewish people, he sure did cause an awful lot of trouble, the death of 24,000 Jews, and a tremendous debacle for the Jewish nation. So the point is, and Hashem says, you think these prophets will bring you to good, you will not do you any good. Hashem gave them Bilam, and instead of bringing them to good, quite the opposite, Bilam brought them to much worse, because the Benos Moab made themselves available, made themselves try to seduce the Jewish people, and therefore it didn't do any good. But I want you to appreciate what Bilam was being given. Bilam was given prophecy and the capacity to know how Hashem runs the world. He was gifted with the ability to know the secrets of the universe to the extent that either he directly could give bracha and klala, curses and and blessing, or at least he was aware of Hashem's system, he could affect tremendous things. And he certainly understood how Hashem works. He was gifted with an incredible level of spirituality, not because he merited it, but because of his people. And let's see what in fact happens. Bilam becomes very much enamored with the idea of cursing the Jewish people. You see, when Bala came to Bilam and said, I want you to curse the Jewish people. And Balak said, I want you to curse the Jewish people so that I could kick them out and they won't destroy me and my people. But when Balak said that message to Bilam, Bilam then turned to Hashem and said, Hashem, can I curse these people? Maybe I can curse them and kill them out. Now I want you to appreciate what's going on over here. Bilam was fully aware that this was God's people. This was the Jewish nation. And he asked Hashem, can I curse them so I can annihilate them, man, woman, and child? Bullock only asked that to curse them that they shouldn't win the war, that the Jews should be repelled. Bilaam said much more than that. Bilaam said, I want to annihilate them. God, can I please have permission to annihilate them, man, woman, and child? And if you're not yet convinced that Bilaam was a Russia, I'll share with you one more observation. In the morning, the second time around, when Hashem grants him permission, he saddles his donkey. Rashi's notes, that's a very unusual thing for a man like Bilaam. There was one time before where we have that expression where a man of stature saddles his own donkey. That was by Avraham. Avraham, because of the tremendous love of the mitzvah, was given the mitzvah of Akedah Yitzhak, he, he saddled the donkey himself, even though it wasn't appropriate for a man of his stature, 
because Ava Mekokel says Yeshura, love blinds. When you're in a state of love, there's such a chavivus in the mitzvah, such a love for the mitzvah, that Avram did something that wasn't appropriate for his stature. But why Bilam? So Rashi explains why Bilam actually saddled his donkey. Quite simple. Because the same way love blinds, so too does sinner. Hatred also blinds. He so hated the Jewish people, so much wanted them dead, that let's go, the boy's not there to saddle, I'll saddle the donkey. He saddles the donkey himself, something that a man of his position never would do, because he had such energy, such zeal, on his mission to annihilate the Jewish people. And again, apparently, he had the potential to do it. Had Hashem allowed him, it would have succeeded. So let's put this into perspective. We're dealing with a man who makes Adolf Hitler look like a tzaddik. Meaning, Adolf Hitler, whatever you may say about him, didn't understand the upper workings of the world. And Adolf Hitler could not succeed in annihilating the entire Jewish people, but Bilaam could have. And he asks Hashem himself, could I please curse the Jewish nation to make them dead? Man, woman, to annihilate them. Clearly, he is not a tzaddik. But if you don't quite appreciate how evil he is, the fact that he loves to kill the Jews, that he hates, hates them so much that he would saddle his own donkey, the fact that he asked Hashem for permission, <coughs> Bilam HaRasha was given that title for a very particular reason. He was a wicked individual. Because when you're given the opportunity to experience Hashem, to speak directly to Hashem, and with that clarity of vision, you turn it against everything good, moral, and proper, and you attempt to use it for bad, and that is about as low as a human being can sink. So let's follow the rest of the story. The rest of the story says, Hashem. Hashem was furious with Bilaam for asking a second time, for obvious reasons. But then, a Malach Hashem was the one who stopped the donkey. Remember the three times the Malach appeared? It was a Malach Hashem, says Rashi, Malach Shel Rachamim. It was a Malach of Rachamim. Why? Because the Malach was attempting to stop Bilaam from his path. Bilaam was heading out to, to kill the Jewish people, to curse them. The Malach was a Malach of mercy. The Malach was attempting to prevent him, so that Bilaam should not sin and lose his life. Because if Bilaam in fact did that, he would have been dead. The Malach Rachamim was sent to prevent him. And that's rather peculiar. If the man is such a Russia, a man is so wicked that he takes the very gift of Navua and attempts to use it against Hashem's people. And he asks Hashem for permission to kill Hashem's chosen nation. And to the extent that Hashem, Hashem is furious, why would Hashem send a Malach Rachamim? Why would Hashem try to prevent them, annihilate them, snuff them out? Why is Hashem sending a Malach Rachamim? I don't want Bilaam to, to, be, to, be, to be lost. Maybe we can prevent him from sinning. That's question number one. But if that doesn't perplex you, let's focus on one more thing. Vayiftach Hashem es pi Hashem opened the donkey's mouth. Donkeys do not speak. You can go from zoo to zoo, and you can go throughout Gaza, you will not find a donkey that opens its mouth and speaks. This is a supernatural miracle, a miracle that's beyond anything within nature. It's rather unique. And the Sforno explains why is it that Hashem arranged for this supernatural miracle. The answer is Kadeshius or Bilam Lashabatchuva. To cause Bilam to do chuva. <clears throat> if the donkey speaks, this will be an awakening call to Bilam. Oh my goodness, the donkey's speaking. <clears throat> Donkeys don't speak. 
wait a minute, Hashem gives the donkey the power to speak, so too Hashem gives me the power, <clears throat> oh my goodness, I'm dependent on Hashem. That would be such a revelation to Bilam that it would cause him to do tshuva. So that, again, the Sorona ends by saying, so that that a man like Bilam should not be lost. Meaning Hashem changed nature, something that Hashem never does. Something that Hashem will only do in very unique circumstances. Hashem brought an overt miracle because, Ayve, Bilam, we don't want a man of his stature to die. And maybe we'll get him to do tshuva. This sounds very, very odd and very difficult to understand. Number one, why would Hashem send a Malach Rachamim to stop him? But number two, why would Hashem do such a supernatural event of opening the mouth of the donkey to speak to save Bilam? Bilam does not deserve being saved. And I'd like to see if we could understand the answer to this and appreciate what, in fact, these Chazals are sharing with us. And let me begin with an observation. Children are not tall. Children are not wealthy. Children are not powerful. And by all rights, children should not be loved or appreciated. But Hashem wants the world to continue. And Hashem wants children to be treated well. And therefore, Hashem put an unusual love of children into the hearts of people, and especially into the hearts of parents. It's incredible to watch a parent with a child. There's just an instinctive love. Now, I remember when one of my daughters, Racheli, is now married. I remember when she was four years old, every night I would brush her teeth. Now, I want you to understand why I did it. It wasn't because I was so mocked about dental hygiene, and it wasn't because she wasn't able to do it herself. It was just she was so cute. I just wanted to, it just was fun to do. I don't want to let her do it herself. I wanted to do it because it was just so much fun for me. There's a natural, instinctive love that a parent has for a child because Hashem wants the world to continue. Hashem wants children to be treated well. And therefore, Hashem put this instinctive love in the parent's heart. Now, what happens when a child gets a little bit older is things start shifting. When a child becomes an adolescent, no longer is the love as acute. Believe me, the parent still loves the child, parent will still do anything for the child, but things start to change a little bit, and when the child starts opening a mouth, especially in the teenage years, it definitely changes a little bit. If you'd like to understand Hashem's relationship to us, it's not like a parent to a 15-year-old. It's like a parent to a 5-year-old, to a 4-year-old, unbridled love, just unconditional, unbridled love. And the Chobos of Ovis explains that if you take the most kindly, loving, giving human being in the world, take Avram Avino's love, Multiply that by 10,000, 10,000, 10,000 measures. You don't have a splinter of the love that Hashem has for any one of His creations. Not within human capacity of love, not within human limitations, unbridled, expansive love. However, that's something that's very difficult for us to relate to. And it's something that's very difficult for us to feel and to remember. And I'll share with you what I mean. I was once speaking in a certain community, and I was speaking about Imuna, and I mentioned something I mentioned a few weeks ago, and that there are four levels of Imuna. The third level of Imuna is knowing that Hashem knows my thoughts as I'm thinking them. I'm that translucent man, Hashem peers right through me, and Hashem knows my thoughts as I'm thinking them. That's the third level of Imuna. Okay, after I was finished, um, a woman comes by, asks me a question, and she's distraught. She's clearly troubled. And she says to me, this is terrible. That's terrible. You say, you tell me that Hashem knows what I'm thinking? That's, that's, that's horrific. 
It's so invasive. It's so intrusive. Now, I didn't quite understand what the problem was, but her husband, who was nearby, explained that she had a very rough upbringing and her father apparently was abusive. And the thought that someone is inside her thinking, the fact that someone is so close, frightens her and, 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 and just makes her uncomfortable. And I tried to explain to her, the reason you feel uncomfortable is because you view Hashem as you do a man, as you do a human being. Okay, maybe Hashem is more merciful, and more kindly, more loving, but basically, like a human being, increased. I said that's patently false. If you apply human dimensions to Hashem, you're fundamentally missing Hashem. Anthropomorphism is taking human traits and applying it to something not human. If you try to assume that Hashem is more merciful, more kindly, but within the context of a human being, you're fundamentally not understanding Hashem. Hashem's love is unbridled, Hashem is completely accepting, and all Hashem wants is our good. Anyway, it wasn't getting too far, so I said, Madam, I, I want to help you with this. I have three questions. I think if we deal with these three questions, I think you'll be able to rest much more easily, and you'll be able to perceive this a little bit better. I said, let's begin with the first question. The first question is like this. Before you were created, what did you do to merit being created? Right? Before you existed, what great thing did you do that Hashem said, oh, and that person is so great, I'm going to create them. Well, the answer is, before you were created, you didn't exist. So if you didn't exist, you couldn't have done anything. And that's the first premise you have to understand. There's nothing that you did that made it worthy for Hashem to create you. Because Hashem is not giving to you because you're worthy, and because you're exceptional, and because you deserve it. Hashem is the mativ, the ultimate benefactor, the ultimate giver. Hashem wants to share of His good with others, not because they're deserving, not because they're worthy, but because Hashem wants to share. Hashem is the ultimate mativ, the ultimate benefitor, and not because you deserve it. And that's premise number one you have to understand. And Hashem doesn't love you because of anything you've done. Hashem wants to share of His good with you. And Hashem loves you unconditionally, not because of anything you've done. That's question number one, I said. But let's move on to question number two. Question number two is like this. How much patience does Hashem have? Right? And does Hashem have a lot of patience? A little bit of patience? I was a high school Rebbe for about 15 years, and I can share with you, in that profession, you need a lot of patience. Teaching high school boys, you better have a lot of patience. So, how much patience does Hashem have? A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. How much patience does Hashem have? So, I'll share with you the answer. The answer is, the question is wrong. Patience is a human limitation. There's a limit to how much patience I can have, because I'm mortal, I'm physical. But Hashem is boundless and limitless. Hashem doesn't have any patience. Hashem is not limited by any dimension or any restriction. The concept of how could I, how much, how much could I press Hashem till He finally gets upset with me, till He finally gets loses his patience, doesn't apply to Hashem. It's like trying to weigh light. How much, how much does this light weigh? Is it a pound of light? It's the wrong measure. Hashem is boundless and limitless. And when you attempt to apply human dimensions human features, human limitations to Hashem, you're fundamentally missing the point. So the first question is, what did you do to merit being created? The answer is nothing. Hashem is the mativ, Hashem is the giver. I want to share, not because you're worthy, not because you deserve it, just because Hashem loves without questioning. Number two, how much patience does Hashem have? The answer is, the question is wrong. But let's deal with the third question. 
The third question is, what could you do to make Hashem angry? Let's say you, I've, I've had it. I've had it with Hashem. I'm, I'm going to really get his goat. I'm going to make Hashem really, really mad. What could you do to make Hashem angry? Good question. So I said to a man, I'd like to share with you, and the answer is nothing. There is nothing that you can do to make Hashem angry. Number one, with all due respect, you're just not important enough. Let's focus on this for a minute. On this planet, there are 7.6 billion people. You're one of 7.6 billion. But this planet that we know as home, as Earth, is a tiny speck. In our own Milky Way galaxy, there are 100 billion stars, each as large as the sun or larger. And from the expanse of the Milky Way, you can't even see planet Earth. But the entire Milky Way galaxy is but one of 100 billion galaxies spread across 13 billion light years of ever-expanding space. If you try from up there to look down, find Earth, where's Earth? I can't even say, oh, yeah, there's that little tiny speck. Oh, and where's that one person? There's 7.6 billion. Man, and with all due respect, you're not important enough to get Hashem angry. Hashem is the sustainer of everything. Hashem is the creator a maintainer, sustainer, the one Hashem is involved in everything. You're not equals. You see, if I'm on your level, I'll say something, oh, I get angry at him. You don't get angry at a six-month-old. We're not exactly on the same level that I get to take. You're not important enough to get Hashem angry. But number two, anger is a human limitation. It's a lack of power, a frustration of a lack of control. Hashem doesn't lack control. Everything that exists only exists because Hashem keeps it in existence every moment of its existence. If for a split second Hashem really were angry, He wouldn't have to bring a nuclear holocaust. He would just cease infusing energy into that entity and it would cease to exist. Without Hashem constantly keeping everything that is where it is as it is, it wouldn't exist. The concept of lack of control, the concept of frustration because not having power fundamentally does not apply to Hashem. And if you think about what you could do to get Hashem angry, the answer is nothing. And I said to now you understand why Hashem is very, very different than your father or anybody else. It's not within anywhere near the scale of comparison. There's nothing you did or will do that would make Hashem worthy, make you worthy of being created. Hashem doesn't lose patience with you. And there's nothing you could ever do to make Hashem angry. So the concept that Hashem is with you, present in your thoughts, all day, every day, should not scare you, because Hashem is the benefactor, the native. Hashem loves you. Hashem only wants your success and everything good. And I said to that's why when you understand that, you'll, I believe you'll sit a lot more comfortably, knowing that Hashem knows your thoughts. And I believe, my friends, that this is exactly the answer to Bilam Harasha. If you ask us, who is Bilam? He's wicked, he's evil. But that's not quite the way Hashem viewed him. Hashem viewed him as Nebuch. I, I wish I could get him to... Ch- what do you mean, you want him? You know what he did? He, he wants to curse the whole Jewish nation. He wants to not, he's worse than Hitler. And, and not let Hashem, he asked you permission. And he, he saddles the own donkey. I hate them so much. And he tells the Benos of seduce them. How could you care about a person like that? And the answer is, you and I couldn't. But that's not what we're dealing with. We're dealing with Hashem. Hashem's love is unbridled, Hashem's patience is infinite, and Hashem wants the benefit of every human being, even if, even if they became Bilam Arasha, even if they went so far off 
and that they make Adolf Hitler look like a tzaddik. The reason is because that is Hashem. Hashem is not measured by our scales. Hashem is not defined by our traits. And Hashem isn't limited by human thoughts or human limitations. And I believe that this is a powerful illustration. Because Bilaam really was ranking up there as a pretty wicked individual. And I guarantee, I guarantee, find me anybody you know, they do not even pale in comparison. They're not even a shadow in wickedness to Bilaam. I guarantee, no matter how bad your self-image is, you cannot convince even yourself that you're as bad as Bilaam. I'll ask you a very simple question. Have you ever murdered a human being in cold blood? How about a town? Have you ever wiped out a town because you were just in a bad mood? How about an entire nation? I guarantee, and live your entire life with the worst self-image you could ever have, you will not rate being as bad as Bilaam. And yet, Hashem wanted Bilaam to do tshuva. Hashem brought a supernatural event. Because that's what this man needed. And Hashem made a miracle because maybe, maybe we could get him to do tshuva. And I believe that this concept has three applications to us. Number one, fundamentally understanding that Hashem wants me to succeed. Hashem wants the best for me. And that means no matter who I am, no matter what I became, after what I've done, Rabbi, after what I've seen, after what I've done, Hashem can't possibly want me to succeed. Wrong. Fundamentally incorrect. Fundamentally missing an understanding of Hashem in any level. Hashem only wants what's good, what's right, what's proper. Hashem wants what's best. And Hashem wants you to succeed to the ultimate extent. And all that Hashem wants is your success. And we discussed last week the concept that the basics of Bitochen is knowing that Hashem loves me more than I love me. And seeing a Bilam, seeing a person who's so wicked that he would annihilate the Jewish nation, and yet Hashem was so concerned, sends a Malach Rachman, and maybe the Malach can get the donkey to, to stop. Maybe that'll stop Bilam. No, that's not good enough. We'll make the donkey talk. If Hashem was so concerned for the success of a Bilaam, I guarantee Hashem is concerned for your success, and Hashem very, very much wants you to succeed. The second application is when things are difficult. You know, things happen. We all go through stuff. Maybe it's an illness, maybe it's a setback, maybe it's financial, maybe it's in health, maybe it's, I can't find my shit, I can't find my bashar. And there's a certain sense of, obviously, Hashem is punishing me, Hashem is angry with me, Hashem, uh, you know, what am I going to do? Hashem is is clearly getting back at me. Hashem is... And understanding that the concept is fundamentally flawed. Hashem is not getting back at you. Hashem is not vindicative. The whole concept is foolish. If Hashem ever wanted to get back at you, I guarantee it wouldn't take long to just, you're no longer in existence. You're only in existence, your hands, your legs, your arms. You're only in existence because Hashem keeps you in existence every moment of the day. And I don't care what you did, and I don't care how bad you are, you're not worse than Bilaam. And if Hashem wanted Bilaam's success, and was going to go to such extent to have him succeed, I guarantee that when things are bad, it's time for you to open your eyes and say, I get it, Hashem is sending me a message. Maybe the message is, I shouldn't be pursuing this. Maybe the message is, I have to have more patience. Or maybe the message is, I have to change my ways. But one thing for sure, it's a message sent with love 
with a deep desire for you to succeed, and before you go have complaints against Hashem, and assume Hashem is angry with you, and have all kinds of difficulty, you have to turn back to Bilam and say, if Hashem loved Bilam, Bilam Russia, and Bilam Uchazal called the personification of evil, and he certainly deserved that title, and yet Hashem did everything to keep him alive, to get him to do tshuva, I guarantee Hashem is not out to punish you, to take revenge against you, Hashem wants your best, Hashem wants your success, and that's the second concept that I believe is very important to understand. But I believe the third concept, the third application, is when we work on things in Ruchnis. Do you ever notice some mitzvahs are quite difficult? And sometimes we're presented with challenges that are really, really hard. And you may say, why does Hashem care? And why does Hashem want me to work so much and learn so much and dominate so much? And what does Hashem want me to do this for? What is it about? And it's at that moment that you have to recognize that all that Hashem wants is your betterment. All that Hashem cares about is what's good for you. I don't recognize it now. I may be too physical, too corporeal to recognize how mitzvahs change me, how they shape me, how they make me grow. I may not recognize it for 10 years. I may not recognize it as long as I'm in this earth. But knowing that the unbridled love that Hashem has for any one of His creations... And Hashem gave us these commandments specifically so I can grow. But why? Because Hashem wants what's best for me. Hashem wants me to succeed. Hashem wants me to grow. Hashem wants me to be in Gan Eden all that I can be for eternity. And therefore Hashem gave me these commandments. But there's one more step that I think requires understanding. You see, the Svorno says, Vayiftach Hashem es Hashem opened the mouth of the Chamor and the donkey begins speaking. The Sunnah says, Why is this? So that Bilam will return in Tshuva. But listen to the punchline, listen to the end. Why is it that Hashem wants Bilam to return in Tshuva? So that a man like him, a man of his stature, should not be lost. Oh my goodness. A man of his stature? Bilam Harasha? And Bilam, the evil, the wicked, Hashem wants a man of his stature not to be lost? Okay, here's the question. Who's more important, you or Bill Gates? Listen, I may be, you know, hopefully I'm a someone important, but Bill Gates, I mean, come on, he's, he's, he's one of the wealthiest men alive. Okay, who's more important, you or Jeff Bezos? Right? Jeff Bezos is the wealthiest man alive on Amazon. Surely Jeff Bezos is more important than, than you, right? How about the president, President Joe Biden? Who's more important, you or President Joe Biden? So I'd like to share with you just one simple observation. As important as any Gentile is, I guarantee they're nowhere near as important as a Jew. Hashem says we are His nation, His chosen select people. Am HaNivchar, the chosen people, the select people. Bonim Atalam you are my children. Amaskula, one nation out of all the nations, as important as any Gentile can ever be, as great as they can be, and they're not as important to Hashem as is a Jew. But if you're not quite convinced, I'll ask you a more pointed question. Who's more important, you or Bilam? Right? Okay, let's say you got a real bad self-image. And Bill Gates has got money, so he's more important than me. Jeff Bezos has got more money, so surely he's more important than me. A president, powerful, important. I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. Okay, good. I'm a nobody and a nothing. I got it straight. I got it clear. But I'm not a Billum. 
Who is more important, me or Bilam? I don't know of any Jew alive who could say I'm not as important as Bilam. I mean, Bilam is about as evil as they get, as low on the totem pole as you're going to get. And yet Hashem says, it shouldn't be. I'm going to bring a miracle so that we don't lose a man as important as Bilam. Do you know why? The reason really is quite simple. We'll spend our lives studying this concept called godless Adam, the greatness of human being. And we'll read about Chazal saying that Hashem would have created the entire cosmos for one human being. And we'll study Chazal that say, I'm obligated to say, Olam, Hashem would have created the whole world for me. We th- try to learn it, and we try to study it, but Hashem feels it. You see, we don't get it. We don't understand it. We try to, on some level, but that's the reality that Hashem experiences. One Jew. Hashem says, it was worthy for me to create the entire cosmos, everything in creation for one Jew, for one person. And in plain, simple language, I am a human being. I am a person created in the image of Hashem. And Hashem says, Bilam, the lowest of the low, as bad as you get. It A person like him should be lost. A person like him? Yes, a person like him. Well, I got news to you. I don't care how bad your self-image is, you're not worse than Bilam. And I believe that concept is very, very key for us to remember and understand. I may be small in my eyes, and maybe for good reason, but in Hashem's eyes, I am huge. I'm a human being with potential, with capacity. Hashem says, I would do anything. All I want is your success. Please do. Follow the Torah. Follow the mitzvahs. It's all for your good. It's all for your benefit. And I'll help you. I'll help you along the way. All we have to do is put the brain on on and do it. And I think these chazals are eye-opening and very, very important to remember. And what Rashi is saying is, Bilam Russia, Hashem sends a malach rachamim. A malach to go stop him. He's going to sin. He's going to sin and lose his, his soul, which in the end he did. And let's stop him. Hashem sends a malach. And three times the malach tries to stop the, 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 the donkey. But that's not enough. V'yiftach Hashem is piya also, and Hashem opens the donkey's mouth. Why? Because maybe he'll be chosen with tshuva. This is Bilam who asks Hashem for permission to curse the Jewish nation. This is Bilam who hates the Jewish nation so much that he sells his own donkey. Let me get them, let me kill them, if only I can annihilate them. And he finally sees that he's going to fail. And he finally sees that he can't kill the whole nation. So he tells Balak, at least get the Benos Moab and let them seduce so we'll get some destruction over there and 24,000 men lose their lives because of this great human being and that's how we view him but that's how we view him because we have mortal vision and as I explained to that woman Hashem isn't measured by our scale of measure if I ask the question what did I do to make it worthy what did I do to be worthy and especially after what I've done I've done a lot of things wrong and maybe Hashem no longer cares about me. And maybe I'm, I'm no longer worthy of Hashem's love. That is a fundamental error. Before you were created, what did you do to make it worthy that Hashem should create you? The answer is nothing. Because Hashem didn't create you because you're worthy or deserving. Hashem created you simply to give. Because that's the nature of Hashem. Hashem is the mative. And if you think, well, but after what I've done, I made Hashem lose patience. Come on, how much patience could Hashem have? So many years I've been doing wrong and doing wrong. How could Hashem... Now, surely Hashem's lost his patience with me. That concept is fundamentally flawed. Patience is a human trait. Hashem doesn't have a little bit of patience or a lot of patience. But listen, come on. 
After what I've done, Hashem is angry with me. Wrong. Anthropomorphic. Hashem is not angry with you. There's nothing you could ever do to make Hashem angry. You're not important enough. You're but a tiny little fleck. You're not exactly a bar plucked, an equal of Hashem. Oh, you insulted me. You hurt me in. Hashem doesn't lack control. Hashem doesn't lose power and it's frustrated and gets angry. But more than that, the whole concept of anger is fundamentally doesn't apply to Hashem. Anger is a human limitation. It doesn't apply to Hashem. Hashem is beyond any human limit. And understanding that is key to understanding our relationship to Hashem. Understanding that more than anything, Hashem wants my success. And Hashem loves me not because of anything I did or will do, but because Hashem wants my betterment. As much as I want what's best for me, Hashem wants it even more. And that allows me to understand the circumstances of life. and allows me to understand setbacks. allows me to understand challenges when it comes to ruchnius or physical things. It allows me to understand my relationship to Hashem. And understanding that as bad as I might be, I surely never made it to Bilaam's level is a key understanding. But this final point is probably more important than anything else. Understanding that Hashem says, a man of Bilaam's stature, and to lose such a man will be a shame that Hashem will bring a nace, make the, the also make the donkey speak. A man of his stature. I may not be very worthy. I may not have done anything good in my life, but I am not as bad as Bilaam or Russia. You may tell me I'm not Jeff Bezos. You may not tell me I'm born as, as other people. Maybe. But I am surely more important than Bilaam or Russia. And if Hashem says, I'll bring a miracle for him, that means Hashem will do the same for me and much more. Because the incredible importance of a human being, I may not recognize, but my Creator does. And I'd like to close with one last observation. When we read this story in Chumash about Bilam with the donkey and hitting the donkey, yelling at the donkey, and the donkey says, uh, I never did this before, yeah, but if I had a sword, I'd kill you. And We laugh. <laughs> Clown. <laughs> Bilam, Bilam, it's a donkey talking. Bilam, Bilam, get with the program. Bilam, donkeys don't talk. What are you doing, Bilam? And we find it very humorous. It's a permspiel. My friends, I'd like to share with you, that is us. We are like Bilam. How many times does Hashem send us messages How many times does Hashem send us little messages where the thoughts of people say things or things occur and we're like Bill and we fight, we fight, I'll beat that man, I'm I'm angry with Hashem, Hashem is not going to stop me. We are like Bill. Hashem loves us, Hashem wants us success, Hashem gave us mitzvahs for one reason to allow us to grow, Hashem gave us a Torah as the directive and the fuel of all of our spiritual growth and Hashem sends very clear messages and Hashem directs things for our growth And what do we do? We fight the system. I'm not going to put it up. I'm not going to... And I'm sad to say that the next time you feel Hashem give you a pot, Hashem knock you down, Hashem's angry at me, Hashem did this to me, you have to just go back to Bilaam. And ask yourself, am I yelling at the donkey? Am I hitting the donkey? Hashem sent a message. I may not warrant having a donkey speak to me, but Hashem runs the world in very clear ways. And Hashem arranges things and orchestrates things. And if I don't wake up and smell the coffee, if I fight the system, I'm much like Bilaam. Hashem brings miracles. Hashem arranges things just so I can learn and just so I can grow and I fight it. And the next time you laugh at Bilaam, maybe it's time to step back and look at our own lives and think if I'm not doing the same. Okay, now I'd like to open the floor to questions, thoughts, observation. 
if you have thoughts, you can either you can raise your hand, uh, or you can um, or you can you raise your hand. <coughs> you can type them in. <coughs> worse than a Amalek, Josh. Uh, the answer is yes. Much worse than a Amalek. You see, a Amalek hated the Jews. A Amalek wanted the Jews dead. But a Amalek were not Nevi'im. A Amalek, you see, watch. If I'm angry, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a small human being, and I get angry, I'm jealous of the Jews, I hate the Jews, they represent God, whatever my beef is. And But Bilaam was privy to understand the secrets of creation. And Bilaam was able to speak to Hashem. Hashem spoke to him. He was on a level of prophecy, of understanding things with such clarity, for a man like that to use the weapon that he was given, the power that he was given, and literally that power could have ended the Jewish nation's existence. And he attempted to do just that, that's far worse than a Amalek. Amalek with swords alone tried to do whatever damage they could, and this man had the power of curses, and had he succeeded, he would have killed not just a few Jews, the entire nation, but more than that. He's talking to Hashem, and he's asking Hashem for permission. To, yeah, much worse than a Amalek. Yes, the answer is absolutely a lot worse than a Amalek. Um, yeah, much worse than Erev Rav as well. Okay, please feel free to raise your hand if you have questions on this topic or any other topic. Please feel free to raise your hands. Um, if you have questions, you could... Uh, oh, you see, Binyam Pesach is not here. Uh, Thursday night he has another shear. Uh, I mean, it's a Wednesday night is a shear, so it's not, uh, he's not here. We have to let people know about the switch in shear so that people are aware, and we'll get the people asking the questions. Um, I just want to mention also... There are many Shmuzim on the Shmuz site. You can access them. You can download them. Uh, there's also the Shmuz podcast. There's also the um, Shmuz app. All of the material is it's all free. You just go to the Shmuz uh, to the Shmuz.com or the Shmuz podcast or the Shmuz app. The Shmuz, Shmuz podcast, by the way, is, is really beautiful. If you, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify or <coughs> Google Play, whatever your your podcast platform is. You can just type in the schmooze and you'll see all the schmoozim, the series, everything is there, and it's updated regularly three, four times a week. It's updated with the new, new material. Um, and again, the app is for the for iPhone or for Android. You can just go to the App Store or go to Google Play, type in T H E S H M U Z the schmooze, and you'll see it. Um, and also, again, I'm going to mention this again, even though I'm getting tired of mentioning this because 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 I want it to be out published already, but. The pre-publication copies are still available. The pre-publication copies are 10 really dumb mistakes that very smart couples make. This is a book which I believe is going to be a very, very successful book. It, we've already given out um, kind of the pre-publication. We're trying to create some little bit of buzz. So we gave it out to about four or 500 um, Hassan and Kala teachers, marriage therapists. And the reviews that we're getting back is just astonishing. Just the positive impact and we got to get this I want copies I want to give it to my students I want, it's been so I believe that once it uh, hits the stores it will be very successful in Hashem um, and we're not going an art scroll um, art scroll wanted to publish it but we there was a certain issue it's better for better for the schmooze better for art scroll also and we're going to go with Feldheim for the distribution uh, but again it won't be in the stores until uh, probably until Rosh Hashanah if you would like a pre-publication copy it's the same same text but it's just uh before it actually hits the stores, if you go to the schmooze.com, on the top there you'll see uh, you'll see the uh, banner, and you can order it there. And anytime, if you have questions, I want you to please feel free to email me. 
Rebbe, R-E-B-B-E, at theshmooz.com. You can email questions in, and I'll either try to deal with it then or possibly at the next uh, next week's shear. Um, and uh, and that's uh, and that is the story. So I want to thank you all for joining, and I hope to see you next Wednesday night. We're going to keep it on Wednesday night for a while. It looks like it may take us a little while to get the traction back to let people be aware that it's Wednesday night and not Thursday night, but I, I believe I would like to try it on Wednesday night, keep it there, and uh, we'll hopefully move forward. Okay, I want to thank you for joining, and I wish you a good Shabbos, and we'll see you, Mr. Shem, next week. Thank you.